You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. What's going on, everybody? This is BGN Radio episode number, uh, Brandon? 219. Who cares, Brandon? Uh, Brandon Lee Gowton of Bleeding Green Nation. Of course, I'm Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. Born on today, today's date, uh, Zach Efron, mm-hmm. Jean-Claude Van Damme, Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Uh, there's some other good ones. Um Ed Martin, Reynolds, Martina Navratilova. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, Mike Ditka and Lee Harvey Oswald, <laughs> and also, <laughs> and also, Brandon Lee Gowton has turned how many years old? Thirty, Jimmy. Thirty. Ooh, the big rough. three zero. Sorry about that, buddy. Interestingly, <laughs> uh, Lee Harvey Oswald born on Brandon's birthday. Uh, JFK born on my birthday. Wow. So don't so kill better. me, please. Yeah, watch your back. <laughs> uh, all right. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, thanks for the uh, good intro, the warm welcome to the podcast. Glad to be here with you on my birthday as we record this on October 18th. I made it to 30. Here I am. Uh, congrats to me. Thanks to everyone who listens and supports and gave me birthday wishes. Really nice. No one actually cares about my birthday. But <laughs> Jimmy, one thing. I do care about, and usually this is the part where I would tell you, write this felon, you know, dot com, write this felon craft turkey, use discount code BGN15. Today's episode, I'm going to change it up a little bit for my birthday. If you want to get me something for my birthday, you can make a donation to Phil Abundance, and you can do that by going to philabundance.org slash donate. I'll include a link here in the podcast description. And obviously, that's if you can, if you're willing to, you don't have to. But if you would like to do something, if you'd like to get a gift for me, you can make a donation. And uh, I would appreciate that. And obviously, so the people at Full Abundance. So go do that if you want to. All right. Uh, Righteous Felon, before we get oh, started. Did that. Oh, you did. That was I did that too. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, we got some news to get to. Uh, let's start with Lane Johnson because, um, you know, he's sort of been a storyline for the past few weeks. Uh, He is now back with the the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, posted something on Twitter alluding to um, anxiety issues. Um, And uh, so he'll be back with the team, I I assume, like right away. And my assumption is also that he will be put right back into the starting lineup. Uh, Certainly a a tackle combination of Jordan Mailata at left tackle and Lane Johnson at right tackle is better than the tackle combination of Jordan Mailata at right tackle and Andre Dillard at left tackle. So uh, Dillard, while he played actually far exceeded my expectations in the four games that he started, uh, was not so great that he will have Wally pipped 
uh, Lane Johnson out of the starting lineup. So uh, Lane is back. I think we all kind of uh, thought that, you know, anxiety issues might have been part of, you know, why he was out for a little while for his uh, quote unquote personal matter, as the team put it uh, for the last few weeks, surprisingly showing up on the uh, Eagles inactive list prior to the their, their matchup against the Chiefs. Uh, but he's back. Your your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, it is obviously uh, a like a weird time, just in terms of like him being gone and everything, and then him coming back like this. Um, I think everyone. Like, I don't think you have to be uh, objective. Uh, as like, I mean, I don't. I think you can say this as fan, reporter, whatever. That obviously we're all hoping well for Lane Johnson, you know, and you know, support, hoping you know the best for him as a human being. Um, and hoping that, um, you know, whatever he's dealing with, he is, or at least it's just good to see that he's back with the team. He's yeah. able to rejoin them, uh, in that capacity. It, it does sound like, you know, the word, the phrasing he used, he said rejoin. So it sounds like he, he is back. And as you said, he'll be back in the starting lineup at right tackle and really at a crucial time because the Eagles have a big game against the Las Vegas Raiders, which we'll get into more mm-hmm. on the second. Uh, edition of BGN Radio that we'll do this week. We'll you know, do we're two kinda, this week, friends. Yeah. One one now and then one later in the week. So uh, we'll get into that later, but just a little you know sneak peek is that Max Crosby ranks ninth in the NFL in sacks this year with five in six games. So, okay. you know, he's going to have this pretty tough test for him or, or you know, for the Eagles at you know, edge rusher on that, on that side there. So uh, they need him back. Obviously, he's one of the team's very best players. Great to see that he's back. I have also shaved my head in solidarity with Lane Johnson. Is that right? No, I just, <laughs> I had to do it because I'm losing my hair. But um, we do look similar right now, just from You the do look like you have uh, a freshly up. shaved melon there. Thank you, Jimmy. <laughs> All right. The other big news was, of course, that the Eagles traded Zach Ertz uh, to the Arizona Cardinals for a 2022 fifth-round pick and cornerback Tay Gowan, I believe that's how you pronounce it, uh, not related to me, Jimmy. We're not related. <laughs> uh, Tay Lee Galton, uh, who uh, the Cardinals drafted in the sixth round of the 2021 draft, one pick before the Eagles selected Jacoby Stevens. Mm. Uh, Howie Roseman uh, sort of hinted that he would have been the pick if uh, the Cardinals hadn't taken him there. So, um, you know, they, get Jacoby a guy, Stevens. they get a guy, <laughs> right. He, he, I actually had to Google to see if Jacoby Stevens was on the practice squad. I wasn't sure, uh, but he is. So um, mm-hmm. they get them both. Boom. Howie with the big win, getting Tay Allen in the Zach Ertz trade. Uh, just kidding. But anyway, Zach Ertz, obviously a great Philadelphia Eagle. What do you think his legacy is here in Philadelphia now that he's moved on? Um. This almost sounds like you're reading off my show sheet, Jimmy. How did? <laughs> where else did you get that question? No, uh, I, I figured it was I mean, one that you had, you had an answer prepared since you wrote it down. No, of course, yeah. I mean, I think it's, we have to talk about it. Like this is a yeah, guy course, who yeah. finished second all time in receptions for the mm-hmm. franchise. I remember like looking at his numbers back in like 2018 or so. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I really, I think that season, yeah, when he was on that, obviously he broke the NFL single season record for tight end receptions at the time. And I remember like looking at his on pace numbers. And I was like, oh, wow, like he's going to pass Harold Carmichael. Like he's going to be the yeah. Eagle. That's crazy to think about. He's he's going to be the Eagles all time leading receiver in terms of receptions. And obviously he finished just short of that mark. Yeah, 10, for now. 10 receptions, I think. Uh, 11 or so. Yeah, around yeah, there. Harold Carm- I got it here. So Harold, Harold Carmichael had uh, 589. Zach Ertz, uh, 579. Ertz actually said 
you know, he may come back uh, yeah, to the it's Eagles not at some point <laughs> just to break uh, Harold's record. So, uh, Especially if Howie's still here and we know the way this team brings <laughs> players back. Really right. not inconceivable that that could happen at some For year sure. down the line. Um, but, but yeah, I think, and obviously the touchdown too, the go ahead touchdown in Super Bowl 52, mm-hmm. Peter King had a good breakdown of that back when it happened. And then again, he refreshed that in his, uh, weekly column that he does for, uh, football morning in America. And I was rereading that today and, uh, yeah, man, I mean, that was, that was huge. Also, one thing I always think about that play is like, did it really even matter if he was a runner or not going into the end zone? Cause he caught the ball anyway. Like he recaught, like it bounced out, but it never hit the ground. Like he I think dove it did hit the it. ground, didn't it? Yeah, but he had his hands on it. Yeah. Like his hands were under it. It didn't like he didn't lose control of it. Like or in terms of well, he I don't did, think it, it popped up in the air and then he re yeah, it. I, I don't think it purely hit the ground, is what I'm saying. It wasn't like loose on the ground. He had his hands on it, it hit the ground, and then it bounced up into the air and then he caught it. Like, okay. I don't know that anyway, it doesn't matter. It was a touchdown anyway. But that, I always that just was, thought that. I remember when they were when we were there, obviously we were at we were at the Super Bowl. I remember when they were reviewing it, I was like, Are you kidding me? Like this is like as clear yeah. a catch as you're gonna see. And uh I didn't know this, but um, you know, I had friends like texting me about it. They're like, I'm gonna like I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot Chris Collinsworth because Chris Collinsworth wouldn't shut up about yeah. how like he thought the call was gonna get overturned. And like there, I mean, he was putting a lot of fear in the Eagles fans that uh, that this that, that this touchdown was going to get wiped off the board, and they were going to you know lose the Super Bowl because of some you know bogus call. Uh, right. And then not only the uh, the touchdown that he had, the go ahead touchdown on that game, um, and I think this sort of mirrored his entire uh, not his entire career, but certainly like the last five six years in Philadelphia, he was the go to guy. And when they you know needed a reception, and uh, they went to him on that fourth down. Uh, same drive, wasn't it? As as a touchdown. Yep, reception. the fourth and one. So um, yeah, you know he was. was he was a huge part of uh, that. He's a Super Bowl hero for for this team, and um, you know without him, you know he was their biggest weapon on their offense, in my opinion. So uh, you know as you mentioned, he's he's you know just behind Carmichael in receptions, yards a little further back. He, he's, sure. he's fifth in yards uh, for the top four guys in Eagles history are Carmichael, Pete Pete Retzlaff. Deshaun Jackson and friend of the pod, Mike Quick, and then in uh, receiving touchdowns. He only had 38 over his career with uh, with Philadelphia. Harold Carmichael way out in front of him on that one at 79. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's seventh in touchdowns. But, yeah, I, I, in my opinion, he's, I mean, I don't, not even in my opinion, I think he's very clearly the best uh, tight end uh, in Eagles history. I mean, just thinking about it now, he probably could have had even better numbers, you know, if they never draft Dallas Goddard. You know, right. and if they kind of used him, not the same kind of player, but if they kind of gave him the same kind of volume that like they do, the Raiders do kind of Darren Waller, Waller right, just for right. instance, or even the Chiefs a little bit more with Travis Kelsey. Um, so was, the point being, though, like his numbers could have been even better. And I think the thing I always remember about Zach Ertz on the field is just chain mover. Like those are the yeah. two words I'd use to describe him. Like that's that's really not like the sexy thing in terms of like yards after the catch. He was never that kind of guy or like go up and make an incredible catch in the air. Although, you know, he, it's not like he can't do that, but that's not like his bread and butter as much as it was just like under, he was so smart. Like he knew how to work leverage. He knew how to get open. Um, just, and it's, it's, I think it's easy to underappreciate that because like, again, it's not as flashy as the other things, but right. just really good. And then as a, as a person too, I think he's obviously done a lot of positive in the community. And I think he really embraced being, you know, in Philadelphia 
Uh, and I remember being at his first press conference. It was my first training camp covering the team back in 2013. It wasn't even mm-hmm. like a conference. It was just like a media scrum. And he was so nervous, man. And I don't blame him because I probably no, would I don't be remember too. That. Not- that, that, that. That's an interesting callback, though. Yeah, he was like, he could barely talk. Like, he was like sweating, obviously, because it was hot out in his training camp, but you could tell like, even more because he was, there was this big scrum around him, and he's this kid from Stanford, and, you know, and he just wasn't used to, I think, the, the market and, and the attention and everything. And, you know, I think he, he just, so you could just tell uh, that he was super nervous. And I just think to like, from him going to there to the comfort and confidence that he had in his, goodbye press conference which i also give him a lot of credit for by the way you yeah, don't see that do a that. lot yeah he didn't have to do that you never i almost never see that where players get traded and then do a press conference still with like the team that just traded them so uh big hats off to zach Ertz. i think you know he's like you said he's a hero he's a legend in the city uh really can't say enough nice things about him and good for him that he gets to go and play for a team that is six and oh now oh, it's, great. And, it's a great fit where he's yeah. going yeah, they had uh, uh, Max Williams was their starting tight end, and he had like 17, 18 catches or something like that, you know, right around 200 yards. Uh, he was the only tight end on the roster that had a reception this year. So he got he wow. got hurt, and he's lost for the season. They desperately needed somebody to, to come in, and he's a guy that – I mean, you look at their roster. Like I think people think of them as like this young team because their quarterback is young, but they really loaded up on a lot of veterans – uh, during the off season, um, you know, guys like AJ Green, uh, JJ Watt, um, uh, the cornerback that didn't play against the Eagles in the Super Bowl, whose name is escaping me right now, Malcolm Butler. Malcolm Butler. Um, I don't know how much those guys are actually doing with the Cardinals. I haven't seen them uh, in depth this year yet. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, he he kind of kind of fits the mold of a team um, that's sort of going for it this year, and um, he's going to step right in. He's going to be the you know that he's going to be TE one there from from day one. And I assume he'll start like right away. And it's interesting because he like he flew out to Arizona. They played in uh, in in Cleveland this week, and he flew out to Arizona, and then he flew with the team from Arizona to Cleveland instead of just going like directly to Cleveland and meeting them there. And the reason he gave was because he wanted to get to know his, his new teammates. Mm-hmm. So uh, he's just that kind of guy, and uh, a guy that's going to be remembered, you know, very fondly. I think there were some moments. Um, you know, around like, you know, early in his career where he was like the breakout guy, like the the, the, pe- the guy that like people were, you know, projecting to break out that season. And then like it didn't happen to like the extent that like maybe people would have been really happy with. Like he did improve from year to year, but n- like never took like a huge leap uh, early in his career. And then he had uh, the one year in 2016 where, um, you know, he caught a lot of heat for. Um, especially in the one game against the the Cincinnati Bengals, especially from you, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think Zach Ertz really likes me to this day, as his agent certainly doesn't. Uh, from uh, you know that game and the criticism that he got for it thereafter when he jumped out of the way of uh, Vontae's perfect, who was trying to chase down Carson Wentz. Um, but um, you know he became a more much more gritty player thereafter, and I think he took a look at, at himself and you know sort of realized that um, um, you know what what he was as a player and where he needed to improve. And uh, he was a grinder. And, you know, I, I think uh, he, he became a guy who sort of embodied, uh, you know, the Philadelphia mindset. And um, and like he said, when he during his final press conference, like this is home, like somebody the way he phrased it was uh, family members were saying, oh, it's great. You get to come back to, you know, at least close to home uh, in California where you'll be in, Ar- in Arizona or whatever. And he was like, whoa, no, no, like home is Philadelphia for me. So uh, he really took to the city over time. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an Eagle for life 
And uh, certainly he, he'll be like, in, I don't think he's going to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame by any stretch, but certainly he'll be in the uh, Eagles Hall of Fame. I imagine they, I don't know if he, do you think they'll retire his number? They'll um, hold it for, they'll certainly hold it for a long time. Like yeah. they have with uh, Randall Selleck. and Shady and for some reason, Brent Selleck. But, <laughs> but Speaking but, of uh, Selleck, by the way, uh, I mentioned Goddard earlier. I yeah. obviously forgot that. It's another guy I split time with earlier yes, on this right. year. Yes, right. Yep, yep. It's a good Could point. Too, yep. better numbers. Um Anyway, uh, so actually, for you know, for the, the actual trade itself, Jimmy, um, how would you grade this deal? Uh, the Eagles again, they get back, like you said, a twenty twenty two fifth, which will yeah. be late because the Cardinals are going to be good, and then Tay Gowan, cornerback. Um, yeah, what grade? So that's about what I thought they would they would have gotten if they had dealt him this off season. Person, like I had said, you know, personally, I would not have dealt for him if I were some other team unless like I was some contender and I really needed a guy to to come in and, and be that you know you know play a starting tight end role uh because of the big salary that he had I mean he was he was owed 8.5 million in, in salary this year and uh I was surprised that I, was, I mean I was shocked really that the Eagles didn't deal him before the season began he winds up playing six games for them this year and then they finally deal him so I think like a fifth round pick uh, was about what they should have gotten. And m- my understanding is they had an offer like that. I think Jeff McLean even sort of said that during the press conference, with the, with, like during Howie's press conference, that like, you know, what changed? You had this offer back uh, during the offseason, and now uh, it's basically the same offer. Or no, yes, Ertz. I'm sorry, it wasn't Howie. Um, anyway, um, it's about what I expected. I, I think that, um, you know, there was some risk in not doing it during the offseason because mm-hmm. if he gets hurt during – you know, the the early part of the season, let's say like he tears an ACL or something, he's done for the year. You, you're on the hook for the entirety of a salary and you don't get anything back for him whatsoever. So I think they, they were fortunate that he was able to, 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 you know, stay upright and then also show that, I mean, he wasn't like, um, he, I mean, he wasn't great this year. Like he was fine. Like I, I thought he was, he was perfectly fine as a player. Um, he'll help, you know, I, he'll help the Cardinals. Uh, but he did imp- like he did improve from what he showed last year in 2020, which was by far his worst season uh, as a pro in the NFL. Uh, so yeah, I think the compensation that the Eagles got in return was was about as expected. The fifth round, and then the bonus of getting a guy like uh, Tay Gowan, who isn't going to help you uh, anytime soon, but in my opinion, is sort of like a developmental guy um, with, with some traits that maybe you can develop over time. Yeah, I mean Darius Slay is older, obviously. Um, you know, not replacing him next year, but he's older. And then Steven Nelson is only on a one-year deal, you know, so it doesn't hurt. To, and then Avante Maddox will be a free agent after this season. So it doesn't add. The more corners you it. can load up on, the, yeah. the better. Because uh, you just keep taking shots. And they have. Like, I think they're the one thing that, that they've done smartly since the season began is they've taken shots on corners like uh, uh, Sacheray, Andre Sacheray, and uh, Mac McCain, who we haven't seen any of yet. Uh, but like they're taking shots on these corners and, and, you know, seeing what they can do. So, um, I'm fine with that. Uh, you know, if one of those four guys pans out, then fine. Uh, but what what do you think of, uh, take Allen? Um, well on the deal quickly, uh, I agree with you that it's kind of like, if you're going to grade it, you can't just put it in a vacuum. You have to include the context of like, this could have gone really bad in terms Mm -hmm. of if Zach Ertz got hurt. Also, I think there's some kind of wasted time in here in terms of trying to evaluate, Dallas Goddard as the tight end one and kind of setting this up instead of like doing this nonsense where you're kind of like rotating Goddard inerts like they have because they clearly don't want to do as much 12 personnel as they have in the past. Yeah. Like this deal should have been done, you know, a long time ago, in my opinion. So that you kind of have to ding it for that, I think, because of the risk and everything. Uh, but 
you know, it's fine. You know, it's sensible in terms of the Eagles aren't going to be good this year. We all know that. I mean, at least in terms of the Cowboys are running away at the division. So it's the playoffs are hardly a guarantee. Um, and you're clearing some salary and you're getting something back in return for a player that isn't going to be back next year anyway, because that is going to be a free agent. So, you know, I think it's fine. I don't think, you know, you get a gold star for this trade. It's fine. It makes sense. Uh, on Gallon, uh, some kind of interesting stuff on him. Pro Football Focus actually had them as a top 70 prospect on their big board. Okay. Um, so that he has some fans out there. Um, not like in crazy athletic or anything. Uh, obviously, he did not play last year, as you detailed in your piece on him. Or in, uh, yeah, in 2020, opted out. So um, that could be potentially like a thing working in his factor in terms of like his upside, because I think some of those players kind of got dinged. We saw that with Kenny Gainwell. Mm-hmm. I think Kenny Gainwell probably went later in the draft than he would have if he had right, played right. year before. So it's a it's a total kind of guy worth taking a chance on as a, as a throw in as a total flyer. Yeah, the the scouting reports on him, and you know, I can't say that I watched <laughs> a lot of Tay Gowan tape. Uh, I wasn't I wasn't grinding the Tay Gowan tape, but the scouting reports on him said that. Uh, you know he's a, he's a, he's a, well first of all he's tall and skinny uh so he's probably got to put on a little more muscle but um he's he's like a competitive kind of guy uh on contested catches um he ran a 449 at UCF's uh pro day which isn't super fast for an outside corner but um the thinking is that he's faster than that time would indicate one of the th- first things that Howie mentioned about him was his speed. And uh, I saw somewhere else mentioned, uh, I don't remember, I can't credit who, who, who this was. So my apologies uh, to that nameless person, but uh, they, they sort of said in the scouting report that he, they thought he was uh, a fast player that, you know, maybe in time great at UCF's pro day. So I don't know, we'll see. And, you know, we'll, we'll probably get a, a good look at him in training camp next year, but I imagine mm-hmm. that he'll probably be a mainstay on the inactive list, at least for a little while this season. Maybe if they have some injuries down the line, then he could see some action. But for now, like he's got to learn a new defense and I can't imagine, you know, he'll, he'll be up on the, on the active, you know, 40, 48 man roster on game day. Why don't we take a break here, Jimmy, and then we'll get into who else may, might be on the move with okay. the trade deadline coming up. And then we'll also get into the Eagles bucks game. Of course, because I know people are dying to get into that loss uh jimmy before we go to break let me tell you about righteous felon craft jerky which you can get by going to righteous using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off another thing you can do for my birthday uh so you can either donate or you can actually get yourself a gift and that is a gift to me as long as you're happy i'm happy righteous discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off the best snacks that you can get In the entire universe, some would say. Jimmy. Back after this. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels. But now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering, so you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected, 
and 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Back here on BGN Radio, Jimmy, who else might be, should be, kind of might be slash should be on the move before the NFL trade deadline, which I believe is November 2nd. Yeah, this will be my Tuesday morning article, actually, and I haven't even uh, I haven't looked through all the names on the on the roster yet that I think uh, are good candidates. But the two that really stand out to me are uh, cornerback Steve Nelson and left tackle Andre Dillard. And I think Nelson makes a lot of sense because um, he's played reasonably well this year. Um, you know, not great, but fine. Like he's been fine, and he's cheap, and he's on a one year deal, so. You know, he was already kind of going to be a Band-Aid for the Eagles this year anyway. And uh, he's shown enough uh, through these first six games that he can help uh, some contender out there. And there are a lot of teams around the league that have gotten torn apart at the cornerback position and really need help. So uh, I not only think that they could move him, but they could actually even maybe get, sort of generate a bidding war uh, for, for him and, and actually get something decent in return potentially. So he'd be my number one guy. And then my second guy would be Andre Dillard, who... Um, you know, as noted earlier, uh, exceeded expectations in the four games that he started, but still is sort of a misfit on this team because um, Jordan Mailata is your left tackle of the future. He can't play anything else. He's not going to play right tackle. He's not going to play guard. So where does he fit going forward? And, you know, there's a there's some logic in maybe playing Jordan Mailata at right tackle long term if you think that Dillard can be a, uh, uh, you know, a, a you know, an, an option as your starter going forward at left tackle. So, you know, I think you sort of explore that maybe a little further down the line if you don't get decent enough compensation in an offer uh, at the trade deadline. Like, I think you actually have to get something good to move Andre Dillard after the way that he played in these four starts. Uh, but I do think that that's possible because, you know, you look at teams around the league, mentioned that a lot of teams are cornerback deficient. Well, a lot of teams forget about injuries just heading into the season there are always teams looking for offensive tackles. Like there aren't 64 good tackles in the NFL. So like there's always going to be somebody that needs offensive line help. Uh, as we saw, you know, the Eagles traded Matt Pryor for anything 
like that, that they got anything for him was uh, kind of crazy <laughs> to me. So, um, you know, there are teams are always looking for offensive line help specifically at tackle. And uh, maybe they get something actually decent for him if indeed they are willing to trade him. What is something decent to you? What is something worthwhile for Andre Dillard? I think the best they can probably hope for, but it's still not totally unreasonable and out of the question is a three. Hmm. I mean, I would do that. I would obviously sign up. Yeah, I would trade it for a three and a heartbeat. Yes. (laughs) I think you just sign up. I think you have to sell high. And he did. Andre Dillard didn't look as good against the Bucks, by the way. Yeah. Um, So it was kind of rain of surprising good games, I think, kind of came to an end. Shaq Barrett's very good in his defense. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying he's going up against a bunch of scrubs, right, but you right. know, I just don't think. I think it's much a bit much to be like Andre Dillard definitely locked in. We can't get rid of him. I would definitely, I'd be okay with selling high on him, or it seems to be high now. And then, like, if you're kick, like, look, with the way the Eagles have been able to kind of develop and find offensive linemen, like, we don't need. I don't think you need to necessarily hold on to one. And like, you know what I mean? If they lose a guy mm-hmm. and he, Dillard turns out to be great somewhere else, I don't think you're like totally kicking yourselves for that. I think you're like, well, at least we got decent value for him, and we can probably just find someone new because we have Jeff Stoutland. And one for for all the positions we can't seem to scout very well, uh, we do better with the offensive line. Obviously, Andre Dillard and his uh, football. Character, whatever concerns, drive, whatever, uh, or toughness, all that being uh, a caveat to all that. Um, I think those are two sensible names, and I think you would like to include some other names in here, but just can't. can't. Like Derek Barnett would be a logical person you might trade, um, but because of his contract restructure, can't really do that. Fletcher Cox, like you can, according to uh, that breakdown that. Uh, Jason Fitzgerald did it over the cap, mm-hmm. but not in like a very palatable way. Like it's not like a easy kind of thing to do. You'd be taking on a bunch of like dead money. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a bummer. I think anyone wants Joe Flacco, Jimmy? <laughs> uh, probably not. Steelers. The Steelers might be better with Joe Flacco than Big Ben right now. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, I didn't see much thought. of that game uh, Sunday night. Apparently, I missed a pretty you can't crazy throw one. Him, man. Uh, but yeah, I mean, maybe who knows. You get some injuries. They, the, I know the Seahawks were looking at. I mean, you still have like Cam Newton out there. So you know, True. who'd you rather have? Cam Newton, Joe Flacco. Like that's a pretty mm. no. no well, come on, come on, man. Like Cam Newton didn't look in training camp, but come on, man. <laughs> I think he might be shot. By the way, too. Just his, his speaking of Big Benton's arm being shot. I feel like Cam's arm might just be shot yeah, based yeah. on what we saw at him in training camp and how he's been out since. But uh, yeah, okay. So those are the three big names. One more thing on Steve Nelson. I mentioned, uh, you know. Maybe you get a bidding war going. For, to be clear, low end bidding war on that one. Like you're not getting a lot for Steve Nelson. I think like the best four? they could hope for, maybe yeah, it would be like a four, but maybe more more realistically like a five. A four from like a good team, probably yes. too. So like a late four, right? Maybe even right, like right. a comp pick for if a team has like a comp pick and they can trade. You know, yeah, I think only a good team would trade for him. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Um, so why don't we get off of the trade stuff, which we'll be talking about more. That's the trade deadline nears. Yep. Although Howie Roseman said they're not going to be sellers to me, but <laughs> I, I, like you noted, he's not obviously going to come out and say that. We'll yeah. see. Eagles might be in a position where it much it might be more apparent that they are sellers because they have the Raiders and the Lions up, and if they lose both of those games, well, oh, if they lose to the Lions, like forget it. Yeah. You know, I mean, if they're, if they're two and six, I mean, all bets like, are off. Sell every, yeah, just clean house. Um, uh, speaking of cleaning house, is it time to fire Nick Sirianni? No, that's not actually what I wanted to get to yet. Um, so let's get into some of the Eagles bucks takeaways Jimmy. I figured we could start with our weekly Jalen hurts temperature check. Okay. Not a good game. 
No. For Jalen Hurts. And I think there's a lot of discussion coming out of the game. And this is kind of more of like a philosophical uh, kind of bigger picture thing of like, well, whose fault is it? Is it Jalen Hurts' fault or is it Nick Sirianni's fault? Because it can only be one. It can't be both. We have to pick and choose <laughs> right. and then lambast one of those people. Um, I think the reality is not unlike Eagles offenses in the past, like as recently as last year with Doug Peterson yeah. and Carson Wentz. The answer is all of the above. The offense is broken. When you look that inept, as the Eagles did at the beginning of the game, against a Buccaneers pass defense that, again, we said is gettable, and there are plays there to be made. Uh, I know it's not, like, fun to say it's both, like, because, you know, the sports radio kind of hot takey thing. Uh, the entertaining thing is to say one and make that case. But to me, it really is all the above, because I think there are times where you see, I mean, across the board, there's, like, personnel usage, usage issues. Like, Kenny Gainwell, Jimmy, only got one touch. This, after... Um, the Dolphins had a lot of success with what's that running back's name? I just lost it. I just blanked, but whatever his name is, uh, on the Dolphins, the pass catching running back, uh, had a lot of success against the Buccaneers. Miles defense. Gaskin? Yes. Okay. Yeah. He had like, he, he caught like all 10 of his targets for 76 yards and like two okay. touchdowns against the Bucks. And that was something that I read about at Bucks Nation too ahead of the game. Like they were concerned about like pass catching running backs. And then Kenny Gainwell, the Eagles best pass catching running back, like he gets one touch, he got two targets. Like they didn't get him involved. So there's like usage issues. There's, I think, schematic issues where you look at some of these plays and you're like, you know, what was the design here? Like what, what was supposed to happen? Right. Uh, Baldy did a good, good job of breaking down some of those. And then you see plays that are absolutely there to be made. Mm -hmm. Like I think about that throw to the sideline where Zach Ertz yep. got open. Corner out in between the corner and the safety. Yeah. And it's there. Like, like that's not an exceptionally hard throw. I feel like in the NFL, any kind of good quarterback makes that throw. It's it's, it's you have to throw with timing. It's a tight window. See, I think that's a like tricky a, throw. I do think it's difficult, like to to hit that throw consistently because you got to get it over the corner, but you also have to have enough on it to get it, to get it there before the safety gets over. So I think there is a certain level of um, experience that goes into making that throw. But on that throw in particular, like he was way off. Like it wasn't, it wasn't even close to yeah. Zach Ertz. So it's a, it's a throw that I don't think he can make uh, consistently. And then like he had other like really bad, you know, just way off throws. Like he had an easy, uh, you know, easy throw to Jalen Rager on a comeback that he threw like way short. Mm -hmm. um, he had the, you know, couple of different plays uh, where he threw to Devontae Smith and Quez Watkins where he turned his receivers into the cornerbacks that they had to break up. They Devontae yeah. Smith successfully broke up the pass uh, that was right to the, the to the defender. Uh, Quez Watkins was not able to break up the pass. That turned into an interception. So, I mean, it's just the inaccuracy issues issues um, that we saw, uh, you know, in 2020. And then in training camp, I thought he improved as training camp went along in, in terms of his accuracy. I have not seen his accuracy improve as the 2021 regular season has gone along here. And in fact, there's an argument to be made that it's actually gotten a little bit worse. I think people don't look at player development in a realistic way. I think like people think you just like you just have to de develop him and you just have to get him better. Like, I don't think it necessarily works like that. Like I think there's only so much room for a player to get better. Now I think it varies on a case by case basis, but in general, I and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I tend to believe that when players come into the NFL, like 80% or whatever, like a good a majority of what they are is what they are. Like mm -hmm. there's there's this base level and that's kind of what they are. They might get better might get worse, whatever, depending. I just, I don't see how what we're seeing from Jalen Hurts. I don't, I, I just really struggle to see how we're going to see him go from this 
to like one of the game's top quarterbacks. I think that's just such a big gap to bridge and that is not easily doable. And I think some of these things we're seeing, like, like people keep just saying, Oh, it's only 10 games, blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, but we're seeing the same issues. And like, at what point do we stop saying it's only this many games? Yeah. Like, are we going to say that when it's 22 games in? It's only 22 games in. You got to like, no, like at some point you just are what you are. And the book to me has not been written on Jalen Hurts. I'm not saying there's no hope for him, but like with each passing game that we continue to see a poor passing game, that's a little pun for you right there, uh, that, you know, the window shrinks in terms of like him being able to prove himself. So I thought it was a discouraging performance. I know he kind of, you know, obviously helped the team bring things in uh, towards the end. Once again, obviously it wasn't good enough, but I just think some of the struggles, as I've highlighted before, too, aren't even necessarily seen in terms of like he'll take off running and maybe he gets a first down, but like he leaves a play on the field where he could have like a 30 yard completion. And that's like a big, that matters. You can't just like say like, it's oh, it's a positive result. So it's a good play. No, it's opportunity cost. It could have been a great play and it was only an okay play. So yeah, Johnny uh, Page had a, had a good breakdown of, yes. uh, of plays that he left. There was one play where he scrambled, where he just vacated, he just left the pocket and he ran when he, mm-hmm. I forget who was open uh, down the field, but Devante, Devante. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's leaving those kinds of plays on the, it's not even the, the, the uh, inaccurate passes, but um, there's another play during the, um, was the chiefs game. I, it was the Chief, either the chiefs or the Panthers game where Quez Watkins was running down the field, like right down the middle of the field, yeah. wide open. And um, he came, I thought he, he got pressure on the play, but I think that throw was there to be made too. And, and he didn't pull the trigger on it. So like when I look at like Jalen Hurts and, you know, the six games that he's played so far this year on like a stock up, stock down basis, I have, um, you know, stock up in two of those games in uh, against the Falcons and against the Chiefs. And then I have stock down for him on the Niners, Cowboys and uh, the Buccaneers this past week maybe neutral on the uh, Panthers game, but I would, I would sort of have the scorecard as like two up and three down. And his best game games have come like against some of the worst defenses in the league. Like, you know, the Falcons aren't exactly a juggernaut out there. And then the chiefs are like almost literally the worst, like historically <laughs> bad defense. I'm not saying you take yeah. all the credit away, but you have to contextualize that too. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm still like waiting for a big matchup where the Eagles are topping another like good quarterback it's mm-hmm. not a one-to-one but like like can he actually go out and win a game against a really good quarterback like right. i still want to see that i feel like that's something you would have to absolutely like be able to check off if there's like a checklist here last thing i want to say on hurts to me is that uh, i saw the stat from espn just three percent which is easily the lowest three percent of his attempts are like going over the middle of the field like that's just insane mm-hmm. like he's, it's just like a what whole are they section by middle of the field uh between, like the, between the numbers or the hashes the hashes, okay. yeah. Which is just like he's anti Jimmy G because Jimmy G, all he does is throw inside the numbers. And my good friend Rob Statsquare talks about like the book is out on Jimmy G. I don't know how teams aren't stopping him even more easier. Just play the middle of the field. Don't yeah. even put anyone out wide. Yeah. And in Jalen Hurts, it's like the exact opposite. It's like just don't put anyone in the middle of the field. He's never going to use it. Now he did have a really good throw to Devonte Smith in that Bucks game over the middle, and I love to see that. I was like, yes, more, do that more. And I also think that's a big reason why we haven't seen Devonte Smith even blow up more than he has is because like. He can be really effective in the middle of the field, and that's just like not even part of their offense. And that was kind of frustrating with the tight ends too, and their low production. And that's something we talked about heading into the year about like that was something to watch out for. Like, how is he going to do with these throws over the mm-hmm. middle of the field? Because he wasn't really doing that last year either. So I just don't think we're seeing enough growth that makes you feel like yes, we definitely have to give this guy more time. Um, 
So that's on Jalen Hurts. But he's, he's Why don't six, we get into the six, six down, eleven to go. They're not benching him. Like the idea that they're going to bench him is no. absurd. Like stop it. He's going to be the starter for you know, like for the whole season, more or less. Yep. Uh, if he's just horrible, like horrendous, like unwatchable, unplayable, then yeah, they're going to bench him. But like, <laughs> like he's not going to be that. Like he's he's got some level of competency, and you're going to see him for the whole rest of the year because they're going to evaluate him and uh, and go from there. But um. Anyway, go ahead. Next, next, uh, next topic from the Bucks. What were you gonna say? It, is Nick Sirianni in over his head, Jimmy? The quote that I have from here, you too, from your post game article mm-hmm. that I want to read. Quote: Nick Sirianni has turned reasonable people into quote <laughs> run the ball quote unquote uh, boomers. <laughs> boomers. So is is Nick Sirianni in over his head? What is what is your impression of? Nick. Yeah, well, the big gripe from the Buccaneers game was that they had uh, one carry with the running backs, one in the entire first half, which like, all right, I get it. Like the Buccaneers have, um, you know, this great run defense, but, you know, you can't, you, you have to, you ha- like, I, I am the furthest thing from, you know, the quote unquote run the ball guy, but you have to run it a little bit. You have to at least make teams respect it. And when you have like a defensive coordinator and Todd Bowles, who same thing like like Jim Schwartz, like back in the day, the first thing that those two guys want to do is shut down the run, make the opposing offense one dimensional, and then they become much more easier to defend when you know what they're going to do. Well, Buccaneers take the field, and like it's like the their number one objective is taking care. Like they achieve their number one objective Done. just by showing yeah. up because they're not just gonna, just not going to run the ball at all. And then when they did run the ball late in the game, they had success with it. And like. Mm-hmm. For Get these like foofy RPOs. RPOs were like they were really effective when <laughs> they were RPOs. when they when they like when when they were running them in 2017. Like they, the rest of the NFL wasn't facing them that much uh, at that time, and and like you could like you could confuse defenses, and you can run a lot of different like variations of these RPOs, and and like it was really difficult for team for teams to stop them. One all it takes is one off season for like a trend to sort of get you know, fixed by opposing defenses around the league. And in 2018, they were much more easily defense. Well, now we're like four or five years removed from like that magical 2017 season. <laughs> like every team in the NFL, first of all, runs RPOs. And secondly, defends them constantly. So like they know how to stop, like not maybe not stop them completely, but they know how to slow them down. And when that is like the, like sort of the, um, the, the backbone of your offense, like that's, you're running your offense, like with, RPOs is sort of like the feature component of your offense, you're going to be stopped really easily because it's just not a cutting edge way to run your offense anymore. And oh, I'm getting a little fired up here. Sorry. Uh, like no, it's just, just keep going. It's just, uh, it's, it, he's, it's like, if it, it, he's too late, like he's too late to the party. Like if you were running this offense in 2017, then, you know, maybe it would be effective. But what we haven't seen from him much at all is, you know, what is sort of the new trend in the NFL, which is proven to give in, to, to give like opposing defenses uh, a lot of trouble. And that's pre-snap motion. It's pre-snap movement, like shifting before, you know, before the snap, you know, getting teams to short, sort of show their hand, whether in, you know, man zone, et cetera. And, um, you know, sort of giving that eye candy at the snap. It affects linebackers. It affects safeties. And there's just none of that from the Eagles. And I think they're just a really easy, predictable offense to defend. It's so so yes. Do your the to, the answer to your question? Yeah, I do think he's a little bit in over his head. Um, 
But Jeffrey Larry can't wait to see the coach he becomes to me. He grows right. into being. Uh, right. Yeah, I I have a hard time getting fired up about the coach thing just because, again, I typically like to take a big picture view at this. And it's like everyone is mad at the coach. Okay, so let's just say you get what you want and they fire Nick Sirianni. You really still trust the same regime to hire another coach and get it right the next time. And they're really going to get attractive candidates. Because they haven't been able to, and like I just the issues with the organization as a whole to me go so much beyond the coach. But obviously, you know, I think we're talking about in season and the now, and not just the big picture. Nick Sirianni being a big issue in multiple aspects too, and in terms of play calling, in terms of game management issues, like there's there's been a lot here, and I think it's fair to say some of that is inexperience and everything. And I think there is some patience to be afforded, but I think given that. That being said, I'm not like expecting perfection, but I think he's he has not even come close to like to clearing a bar that I feel like he needs to clear and at least show like some level of competency, like you're talking about, or at least like we're expecting with Jalen Hurts, like you're you're getting that at least that somewhat high floor. Uh, I think to your point about the RPOs and everything, I think there's just just like this fetish, fetish. How do you say this fetish? fetishization yeah there you go of like trying to trick everyone it's not about like it's not always (laughs) like tricking everyone like you how many times do the eagles talk about how we have this great offensive line and they spend all the resources in the offensive line and they talk about jeff stoutland like he's freaking god and because he's done a great job i'm not trying to slander jeff stoutland but then you don't even lean on him like you have these good things right take your to play to your strength lean on that and don't like try to out scheme someone just out execute them right. like it's at the basic level it's football like go out and block them and like be better like assert your will on them and i just don't think the eagles have that at all in terms of an attitude and i think a lot of people get into it as like hey is the organization like making them throw the ball so much <laughs> it's and possible. it's like Oh, it's fair to wonder when yeah. you have these articles out here about like the influence, the increased influence of Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Roseman. I don't think it's as simple as like Nick Sirianni's on the you know the uh, sideline and like Jeffrey Lurie's calling down you know to his headset from the box and telling him the play to run. But I think from like a bigger picture view, I think Nick Sirianni is very aware that like we want to be a pass mm-hmm. passing organization, and I think that's the right mindset in terms of like. I don't want the Eagles to be like thinking running the ball is going to win them championships. But the problem with the Eagles always is they take everything to the extreme. Like that is, that is the frustrating thing to me about them, Jimmy. It's not like that. Like, so there's dinosaur GMs in the NFL, like Dave Gettleman. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't want that guy to be the Eagles GM. Right. You don't want to be I'd rather, running back second overall. Yeah. I'd rather have someone more progressive. Like I think on the spectrum that Howie Roseman is, but he's like so far to the extreme that I think like he outsmarts <laughs> right. himself and it's like galaxy brain. And it's, it's so frustrating. Cause it's like, you're, you have like kind of the right ideas, but like you don't know how to apply them yeah, properly. And it's fair. like, there's yeah. no balance and there's, it's just, everything is like to the extreme and it's just like, just chill out a little bit. So it's frustrating. Um, What's funny about the, the point you make this about like the, uh, you know, like the influence of the owner potentially and, you know, you know, I don't want to say it's a mandate to have a, uh, a a heavy passing attack offense. Uh, but certainly the influence was there with Doug Peterson, as you, as you noted in the pieces from the Inquirer and the athletic. Um, and it's contrasts directly what Nick Sirianni has talked about in terms of, you know, building his offense around players and what their skill sets are. It, like it's a total opposite. Of, I mean, the, the, you look at Baltimore. I think your your point too about like you know you run your offense and just execute, 
there's no mystery about what Baltimore is going to do on offense every week. And granted, like they have a star talent in Lamar Jackson that the Eagles don't have, and they have better players on offense than the Eagles have, but there's no mystery about what Baltimore is going to do. But, you know, teams can't stop them because they execute and they have really good players. You know, that's hard to me. An identity. The <laughs> Eagles don't yes. have an identity. Yes. They have yes. not had one. You ask a head coach. You ask the players. You ask Jalen Hurts, what's the identity? He can't tell you. You ask Nick Sirianni. Yeah. He can't tell you because they don't have one. Yes. Jeez. Uh, so this just became into ranting about the <laughs> Eagles, really, more than analysis. But that's that's the kind of game it was. It wasn't like a game yeah, where we like, learned. Too. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like it wasn't like a game where we learned a lot, I think, about the team from that game as much as they're just more longstanding issues that kind of showed their heads and it was frustrating. And obviously, like no one thought they're going to win the game at any point in terms of like, you know, the Bucs are a tougher team, but it's just like they didn't have to look as bad on offense as they did. They didn't have to look as inept as they had not only against the Bucs, but against the Panthers in the week before, too. So uh, just real quick, I guess, on the rest of this game. You know, the defense I thought was fine. I, I thought they were as expected. They weren't like great. Uh, they did a respectable job. Yeah, I think you take what they gave you. Like if you if you had the offer like of, yeah. you know, them forcing three punts, uh, an interception, and they should have had a second interception, didn't count. Um, yeah. you, you would sign up for that in a heartbeat, I think. Now, I will say here, you know, if the Bucks wanted to score 35. And a turnover on downs. Sorry. Yeah. If, if the Bucks wanted to score 35 or 31, they could. You know, they ended the game in, like, goal to go or, or the red zone or whatever. You know, they kneeled at the end. Like, they easily could have had even more points than they did, than the 28. But um, uh, I said – it's just what I said going into the show. Or I think both of us said. Like, I was like, this defense is not going to stop the Bucs. That's just not, you're not going to win this game because your defense is really good. If you're, I, I, My formula for victory to beating the Bucs was, like, if your defense holds them to, like, low 30s, that's a win. The onus is on Jalen Hurts and the offense to go out and outscore them. Like, that's that's how you're winning this game if you're mm-hmm. winning it at all. You're not winning it by shutting them down. So I think they did okay. Not amazing. I think it's still frustrating at times, especially early on in the game like it was, where they just didn't have any answers. And Brady just made it look super easy, like other quarterbacks have against this defense, where they just sit back mm-hmm. and just let themselves get picked apart. They're a bend and break defense at that point. Uh so that's not great, but it seems like they adjusted and everything later in the game and they found some answers. So uh can't really kill them for this one. Uh looking at things coming up, Jimmy. The case for optimism a little bit about this season going ahead. The Eagles schedule lightens up here by ESPN's uh football power index metric FPI. They actually okay. have the easiest schedule in the league. I mean, they get the Raiders. This week, then they get the Lions, the Chargers. I mean, there's some, uh, yeah, some of these games I feel like are not super easy. Um, but among the easier games, obviously, you get the. You Once you get played. past Denver and yeah. maybe New Orleans, we, I don't think New Orleans. Maybe New is Orleans. Good. It's, it's at home. You get the, uh, Giants twice. You get yeah. the Jets once. You get the Washington football team twice. Yeah. You get the Cowboys in week 18 when they're probably going to be resting on their starters. <laughs> right. Uh, they'll, be, they'll so, be locked into their, uh, whatever sealed, whatever seed they are. More than likely. Yeah. So I'm kind of worried this is going to shape out in a way, as I've talked before, like they're going to like get off to this rough start. And they're going to start winning games simply because the opponent is worse. And then it's going to be like, oh, you know, carry over into next year. I've already talked about that before. It's not going to get into the whole spiel again. So I kind of worry about that from a standpoint of like, I hope they're – you need to see improvement that isn't just because the opponent is getting worse. Like you need to see like, you know, like they're not just eking out games. Right. Or, like the Panthers like, game was not very encouraging to me. Exactly. They didn't yeah, play if, well, if, but they got a win, right. but they didn't play well. 
Yeah, if they're like dominating, blowing out these bad teams sure. at the end of the year, that's that's something. Yeah, but if they're just like barely getting by, like no, that's not. That doesn't mean it's positive. So, uh, so that's the case for autism. I think things could you know lighten up here, and they could pick up some wins. I don't think that gets you to the playoffs at all because I just don't think this is a playoff team. Um, but that's the other side of it. One quick thing on Sirianni. I was pretty harsh on him a minute ago, but uh, one thing I will say in his favor uh, is that the team has played hard for him and they haven't quit in yeah. these games, uh, which is something, but ultimately it, you know, th- that loses its uh, people get, t- people tire of that. <laughs> like that people yeah. not, they don't tire that they, they tire of that uh, as something being pointed out uh, repeatedly after losses. And mm-hmm. I think that, um, you know, sort of as expected, the Eagles weren't going to be able to compete with these really good teams um, like the Chiefs and um, and the Buccaneers. And uh, I think maybe I don't think, you know, we thought of the Cowboys as a really, really good team before the season began. But that's clearly what they are. In my opinion, they can't compete with them, uh, or at least they didn't when they played them. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I think this Buccaneers game that on the scoreboard, it looked a little closer than I think it was. But, uh, I mean, they were clearly outclassed by uh, all three of those teams. And, uh, you know, we'll see how they play against these lesser opponents coming up. Also, if you're looking for an optimistic thing, the Eagles currently have three (laughs) top 10 picks in the 2022 NFL draft. Uh, We can kind of talk about the Colts and Dolphins, I guess, a little bit more when we get into our picks against the spread this week. But, I mean, just that the Dolphins lost to the Jags, Jimmy. Not great for them. And uh, again, we'll get into that more later this week, but that's a positive thing. There's actually a mock draft doing up on bleedinggreennation.com. Ben Natan did that. So you can see who the Eagles might be able to get with those picks if you're interested in that. But why don't you tell me, Jimmy? Do you know who their first pick is with the third pick? Um, We'll give give a little teaser. Or let me guess anyway. Do you know who it is? uh, I do know who it is. I'm going to guess Thibodeau, defensive end, Oregon. Is that right? Yeah, he did. Boom. I think a lot of people are saying that. I think like that's it. like the common pick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it would make sense. Ed Rusher, you know. For sure. Yeah. In terms of what the team would, it's like realistic in terms of what the team might actually value. But yeah, there's some good players. And I think it's a really strong defensive draft. You got Thibodeau, Derek Stingley, whatever. The safety from Notre Dame, Kyle Hamilton. I don't think they'll ever take a safety that high. Anyway. Uh, all right. Next segment. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors. Eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. If you're looking to buy or sell your home, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, also RoachRealtors.com, uh, is was named uh, number one realtor in the universe by uh, the Realtor Commission on Realtors. So again, uh, her number eight five six nine zero six nine two nine five. Brandon, back after this. Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, 856-906-9295, 9-2. Okay, here on our final segment of BGN Radio, Jimmy Kemsky and I are here to read some of your iTunes ratings and reviews, the questions we are obviously legally obligated to answer. This one, some of these are older, so just bear with me. I haven't seen any Uh, of these, by the way, so I'm going into these fresh. Jimmy's flying blind here. 
This comes from J Hum is a number. Uh, title: Can Nick Sirianni coach? Hi BLG and Jimmy, big fan of the show. Thanks for all the great work. Loyal reader of both BGN and Philly Voice. Since you're legally obligated to answer every question, can you please let me know if my take is good or bad? Now here's the take. We all know that Doug Peterson was burnt out and tired last year, but I would prefer his boring, unimaginative, and uninspired offense to Nick Sirianni's. Like a lot of other Eagles fans, I was very excited to do during the preseason in week one to see what Sirianni could do. But after two really bad game plans, I'm starting to doubt that he's the guy. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think I know more than an NFL head coach, but running the ball to set up play action is a simple concept I learned from Madden. Can this guy actually coach? <laughs> I'm not sure. During the preseason, he said he wanted to keep his playbook under wraps as an element of surprise, yeah. but that means nothing if the <laughs> concepts are trash. Sorry for the long preamble, but my question to you is, would you take Doug's 2020 offensive game plan or Nick Sirianni's 2021? Oh, yeah, that's not a very appealing uh, either or there. It is funny. He, I, I forgot about the whole, uh, you know, we're hiding what we're doing thing. Um because it hasn't been creative really at all. Uh, it was week one, actually. I think week one, they came out and they had a really good game plan and they totally outcoached uh, that Falcon staff. Um, so, I mean, it, they got off to a good start. So maybe there was something to that, maybe a little bit. But then thereafter, I thought their, you know, their game plans have mostly been bad. Like you look at the Niners game plan and they actually, this was like the one game that they actually did kind of try to run the ball a little bit and they just, that, that was like the wrong approach in that game, in my opinion, because they had Josh Norman starting at cornerback. They had a lot of like injuries in their secondary Dallas. You have like this defensive line where you have a linebacker playing defensive end. You have uh, a, a situational pass rusher playing the other defensive end spot. You have a 280 pound defensive tackle. And they're just like, yeah, we're not going to run the ball at all against this team. So like, I mean, just sort of his game plans have been confounding. And, uh, you know, again, not to be like the, uh, um, you know, T- turned into the run the ball boomer, but mm. you have to run the, like you have to run the ball to keep opposing defenses honest. And when it's a strength of yours, do it. Like you have all these like maulers in the run game, like Landon Dickerson and Jordan Mylotta can throw guys around. And Jason Kelsey is like, can do things in the run game that like no other center in the history of the game can do in my opinion with his athleticism. And you're just not using the the strength of, of you know, your, and do the quarterback can run the ball. You have an explosive player running back in Miles Sanders who isn't being used at all, maybe being used in ways that, like, he's, like, you're not putting him in the best situation to succeed. So, yeah, I'm with you, like, that it's been very um, uh, underwhelming. But uh, that Doug Peterson offense in 2020 was brutal. So I will uh, begrudgingly take Nick Sirianni 2021 over Doug 2020. There were a couple, more than maybe a couple articles in this offseason that, oh, Nick Sirianni is going to run the ball here. I'm like, Doug. <laughs> Those, yes, they absolutely were real things. And guess what? Even less than Doug. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I just, I kind of, yeah, I'm not, look, I, I think about Doug quite a bit and like, Obviously, I don't think he was part of the solution, but the idea that he was the entire problem is just like the biggest farce of mm-hmm. all time. And like it was very easy to say at the time, and now it is bearing out, I think, to be true. Um, not to say, again, he would be everything would be great if he was here, but I just, it's not just about the coach, man. Uh, next one comes from Mr. Lacrosse Six, the ghost of Dorio Green Beckham. 
Love the pod. Both great at what they do and love both of your content. One complaint, Jimmy, please don't interrupt Brandon so much. That's all. That's why I wanted oh, to read okay. this one. Uh, knock, knock. Yeah. Knock, knock. No. Not, come on. Knock, knock. I'm not going to answer it. <laughs> Come on. Try. If you don't answer it, everyone's going to want to know what the knock knock joke was, and they're going to be like right. angry that it, never, that it never played out. Oh, let me start. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> knock knock. All right. This is worth it. <laughs> Who's there? The interrupting cow. Yeah, I, I know this joke. Yeah, I know this joke. Come on. Is this your, did, did your daughter just. It's my daughter's favorite did she joke. Make actually. you say this? Yeah. It's my daughter's it's, it's favorite a good, joke. It's, that's a good one. But you're right. I, I think, think I do interrupt Brandon on occasion, and he never interrupts you, me. You know what's funny? I just heard that on, uh, I think, the Office Ladies podcast, that same joke, the same joke that that your daughter likes, like that their <laughs> kids like it too. So, uh, okay. so there you go. Uh, two comments here, or reviews from the Apple podcast section. If, hey, if you want us to read your rating review, you can, you know, you can do this by leaving one. Uh, from veteran bgn commenter maybe you might recognize their name jimmy my cat's name is milk oh, uh-huh. yep. uh, r.i.p bgn sandwich draft cubano is a hot prospect with a 0.978 nah nap after ham score best suited for panini press coverage with the versatility to compete in an open face scheme thrives with extra pickles but can be sloppy at times proper technique and extra napkins will be key to handling cubano early on some off-field concern being affiliated with quote-unquote starchy characters plantains rice and the likes all right (laughs) uh so i think the context here is uh rj asked me we're talking about sandwiches on the nfc Uh, okay so i'm and i think he was like what kind of sandwich would you want right now i'm like a cubano because i think it's one of the best sandwiches there is i think it's a really good sandwich so Good comment there. Uh, next one comes from uh, Smitty for six. One star, which is not the correct thing to do. Mm. To leave five stars. You can say whatever you want, but you have to leave five stars. Title, Never Happy Podcast. Brandon's never happy. <laughs> and it's to the point where I can't listen to his crying anymore. Dude, you want Patty Mahomes or Herbert? Go root for them. Not every team gets them. That's why they are. That's why there are only a few elite quarterbacks. How about you develop, Jalen? I don't know. Like the Bills did with Josh Allen or the Cowboys did with Dak Prescott idiot once hurts to be elite <laughs> off rip uh yeah this is part of what i meant earlier when I, I think it is a very naive thing to just say you can just like develop a quarter you just develop them like what does that mean like i don't think you can just take jalen hurts and make him into the one of the best players in the league okay so here here uh, i have something to add there so like the 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 two comparisons that he gave there forget mahomes and forget herbert but the two names that he said like you know yeah. jalen hurts can maybe become are um uh, Josh, Josh Allen, Allen Dak. and Dak Prescott. So the difference between uh, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen are that Josh Allen was like a physical specimen. Like he has yeah. a huge, like rocket arm. Like Just look at him, six five, two forty. He can run. He can run through guys. Not that Jalen Hurts can't run. Obviously, he can. But like what Josh Allen is as a pure passer, and he had some you know things to clean up, like decision making and uh, you know sort of learning where to go with the football and all that kind of. Oops, excuse me. <laughs> like he was. Wow. He, whoops. Uh, not mark that down. Fifty nine minute mark. Uh, he. I mean, but he was like like an elite talent coming out. He just had to have his game refined. Like I think that like the good comparison for him is a guy like Trey Lance, who has like all sort of those uh, um, you know uh, 
those tools, those physical tools in his, in his toolbox. Um, like that's a guy that you develop uh, the same way that you develop like a Josh Allen. And then the difference between Jalen Hurts and Dak Prescott is that Dak Prescott was awesome as a rookie. Like he, he was like, he was clearly, um, you know, starting caliber corner, like quarterback, like the, the way that he played in the preseason, it was like, wow, this guy might actually be pretty good. Goes out and he wins, you know, NFL rookie of the year in his rookie season, along with uh, Zeke, who was also a rookie that year. And like, he was like a legitimate passer uh, player. I'll, I'll say uh, he's, his passing game has developed uh, over the last uh, five years uh, in Dallas, but he's a guy that was like immediately very good. So when you compare him, like Dak Prescott and Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is way behind Dak Prescott at, at, at their respective stages in their careers. I think they're both bad, they're, they're both bad examples of comparisons on what the expectation of what Jalen Hurts should be. I agree. There has to be some kind of ceiling, and I just don't think like when have we ever seen that with Jalen Hurts? I was just about to ask you, Jimmy. Like, when is the last time Jalen Hurts had a throw that like wowed you? When were the last time you like wowed? by first of all, when were you just wowed by him? In period, okay, you would say probably uh, against the Panthers in the you know with his two point conversion or whatever. Yeah, but, that was like, a great play. How about, yes. How about a throw? Like, how about what is a throw that is like, wow, that throw, wow? Yeah, I mean, they're few and far between. Um, I can't. That's even, a problem. I can't, I can't pinpoint. I can't pinpoint one specifically. That that's a problem, like, though. Yeah. That you can't think of that is like that's part of what I'm saying here. It's probably like, watch Josh Allen throw against the Chiefs. Some of those throws he made were like, oh my god, like, <laughs> yes. how is, like this is incredible, <laughs> right? Yeah, that's the throw, the, the throw in the end zone to uh, is this Diggs? Probably on the, the primetime game last last week. Also, with Dawson Knox, like some of those that you threw to him, and it was just like contested, and just like, but he put it where only the tight end can get it. It's like that's like not everyone can do that. That right. is special, right. and I just don't think you just you don't settle for less at quarterback. You don't just try to get a guy who's good enough. So that's my thing. Yeah, I mean, if you don't have one of those guys, you're always seeking one. So, right. I mean, the idea that you know you just you don't like just you settle. said like just develop a guy and he's going to suddenly be as good as as or as yeah. anywhere near as good as those other guys is I think is wishful thinking and not a good way to run your organization. So you can take that one star and shove it, jerk. <laughs> I appreciate. <laughs> but thanks for listening, friend. <laughs> uh, next one, Kiston Solak is the title. Can we get a yearly season preview pod from Kiston Solak, Michael Kiston, Benjamin Solak? This is a question you legally must answer. I mean, I can ask them. I can't force them to do it. Did they do Kiston's, that every year? So they did one this year. Okay, um, it was kind of like their last pod. But oh, all right, I mean. Kiss still works for the company and in theory could get Solak on as a guest for next year. Yeah. Uh, you know, they'll be, I'm sure they'll be around every once in a while, not full time again, because Kiss is running an entire podcast network and Solak is working for a different company. So, you know, unfortunately not around all the time, but I don't think they will never not be around. So this much I will tell you, Ben Solak and I will be doing Jersey number analytics till we die. So at the very least, you'll have him on the feed every year when we go through that, which is everyone's favorite podcast. Next one, Jimmy, is... Everything is delicious, but the the middle part of the word is censored for some reason. This is from JWB underscore one. I will add my voice to the other reviewer. Who can I Venmo for more Kiston Solak? Uh, you can Venmo me. That's Brandon hyphen Gowton <laughs> and send me just unlimited money. Uh, and maybe I can help you out. Uh, a question for BLG and Jimmy. Is a Jordan Mailata jersey premature? Now, this review came on September 11th, which is, I believe, before he signed his contract oh, extension. Okay. So the answer is no at this yeah, point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Go get it. Yeah. Um, very very likable player, likable personality, and uh, he's played well, and obviously he got the uh, big contract. And actually, uh, oh, I forget who brought this up. I want to say it was 
Noah Becker, friend of the pod, who attempted to find his um, his uh, Australian football jersey, the Rapidos. Rugby League Club, yeah, um, unsuccessfully. But I think that would be a fun jersey to own as well. I mean, what is that team doing? If you can like, track yeah, that down somehow. I think that's a good jersey to show up to the to the link with. That team should be selling those. I mean, they could make some money off of <laughs> that's those. That's right, things. exactly. Uh, or that league, however it works. Um, next one. Oh, by the way, too, on on them, I lot of know. I think Philadelphia specifically and the Eagles fan base is a good fan base to get offensive line numbers. Like, you know, I don't think that works necessarily in like L.A. or whatever. You know, you're getting like the star players. Like in a town like Philly, like blue collar and everything, I think it works. Like I think we, what I'm trying to say is we don't have enough lineman jerseys in general. Like people get a Fletcher Cox, obviously, yeah. but like there should be more Brandon Graham. There should be more Jason Peters. I mean, obviously, maybe not right now because of how things ended, yeah, but in yeah, like yeah. the long term and even before how things got bad. Like there, I don't think there were enough Jason Peters jerseys out there in the Kelsey. wild. There's probably Kelsey's. I see a decent amount, yeah. of, but there there should probably be even more Brandon Brooks lane. even. I don't see Lane Johnson ever. I no. feel like those should be out there. Lane Johnson like, was the best was the best tackle in the NFL in 2017. By the way, best. Well, there you go. Forget like forget left tackle. Right, forget, or yeah. me, forget right tackle. Period. He was the best offensive tackle. Period. That season, he was legitimately dominant against like just a murderer's row of like ridiculous like elite edge rushers. I, and kind of further to this point, last thing I'll say, I think getting an offensive line jersey shows you like you're not just a casual. Not that there's anything wrong with right. just being a casual, but like if you really want to show like you're a diehard, get an offensive line jersey. Cause I think that's like, oh, that's respect. It's not like you're just getting like the starting quarterback or the top receiver or whatever. Like you really love the team. And obviously get, you know, if you're a big fan, get those jerseys too, but also get kind of the off the beaten path one and wear that around. And then you're kind of like, you know, you're like the hipster, you got the cred. You're, so, you're a hipster. And at the same time, like you're rooting smart. for like a, like a, big uh bully type of player which yeah. kind of like they kind of clash a little bit those those two themes right but i like it uh next one comes from love the show or sorry sos solani title is love the show and i can't read the rest because the way it gets cut off on my phone so that's not fun uh my question that must legally be answered is about the eagles practice jerseys what is that sewn in pad slash pats on the upper left peck hmm. i always see it in picks from training camp and can't figure out what it's protection if it's protection for their shoulder pads or what thanks for the great work so i actually tried to like look this up before okay and i honestly didn't know what this person's talking about so uh i kind of think i do know what he's talking about okay uh i'm looking up my we have because it's not I get, like he's not talking about like the ad right for the Rothman Institute patch like because that's always on there or whatever they have on their practice jersey. I'm um, trying to look up our ph- photographer Kate Fries. While you look for that, I'm going to read another. Okay, thing. go ahead. So the next one comes from Anthony D. Ayers. Headline: Great show. I've been following the show since the beginning and even before the rebrand. The hosts are great and provide great Eagles content. Everyone needs to follow the show. Question. I'm looking to buy a jersey, but I would like a recommendation on a sure pick on a player that won't be gone too soon. So we kind of just gave some good ones there. I think uh, you could do a Jordan Mailata would be a really good one. I think uh, like gone too soon thing, I think doesn't always necessarily matter if it's a good legacy. So like I think Lane Johnson is a good one in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um, Brandon Graham, like because even if he's gone, he's I got like, it. It's Eagles, great it's Eagles autism. Sorry. Okay. That's what it is? That's the patch. It's Eagles Autism, yes. Are, are you sure that's what they're talking about? Like, I, I don't know. So I'm looking at a picture of Lane Johnson right now where he's got a big Eagles Autism patch on his 
you know. But the wouldn't f- they know like that's what it is, like an ad? Like the, it's not anything else. It's like, not functional? clear. Like I had to zoom in on it to see exactly what it said. Okay, so there you go. Um, so I interrupted yeah. you again. <laughs> no, we covered the jersey thing. That was it actually just tied into what we were talking about. It's basically we kind of we talked about some good jersey options. I think get a lineman. I think that's fun. Or Devontae Smith obviously is an obvious one. Um, don't get a Miles Sanders. I would say maybe maybe not that. I think that's a little riskier. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kenny Gainwell looks like he could be fun. Hargrave should be around a little while. Hargrave is probably a pretty good one. Um, are we missing any? I would not get a Jalen Hurts jersey. Just wait. Of, if, I would wait until the 2022 NFL draft. Like if you if you don't have uh, that kind of disposable income to splurge on a jersey, like you really got a hit on your jersey purchase. Yeah, wait until the 2022 NFL draft. Okay, good advice. Uh, I think that just about does it to me. I think we answered all the ones we needed to get to. Any final thoughts, my friend? Hmm. Uh, no. Uh, let me think. No, <laughs> I'm excited to go to Las Vegas this week. Uh, Eagles okay. play in. Uh, oh, you know what? One thing I should mention. We'll get to this. I, I, I guess in the uh, pod that we do later in the week. But um, the the Raiders. I was curious to see how they were going to respond this week after Jay, uh, John Gruden resigned in disgrace. And they were like really good. Like they looked yep. great uh, in Denver and this will be their first home game uh, after Gruden, uh, you know, resigned. So um, that's going to be a, I think that's going to be a fun game because there's a chance that like, there might be more Eagles fans there than Raiders fans. Cause I know there's a ton of Eagles fans that are going out there for that. Um, so I'm looking forward to running into some of you if uh, you guys are out there. Uh, but yeah, always uh, fun to go to like, you know, fun locations on uh, these road games. And I've, uh, I've obviously never been to Vegas because they haven't played there in a long time or ever, obviously. But uh, yeah, looking forward to, to running into some uh, Eagles fans out in Las Vegas this weekend. Uh, you're gonna hit up the slots, Jimmy. You're gonna, you're gonna gamble your life savings. Away. I don't like the slots. I will play. Uh, well, little... it was just a you know a turn of phrase, just a little expression. I'll play a little blackjack, you. and I'll play okay. a little. Uh, uh, I want. I, I might get into a little craps this week. Are you gonna hit on uh, sixteen? Do I hit, have I ever hit on sixteen? Yes, I have. No, uh, are you going to? What do you mean? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? Aren't you supposed to do that like statistically? No, uh, hit on sixteen. Yeah, is it 15? There's a number that's like higher than you would think you should hit on that you're supposed to, I think, analytically. Oh, maybe. I don't know. I don't think it's 16, no. though, because, I mean, you're getting a five or, or it's bust. <laughs> you know, it's it might be that, though. It might be what it is. Two, or it's bust. Yeah, I don't know. But you all, like, as you as we saw on Swingers, uh, you always double down on 11. Okay. Um, <laughs> there's so... got, and, and, and if you're like a, a blackjack nerd and there's some reason why you don't do that, I don't care. Please don't seek me out and tell me that I'm wrong. <laughs> if you want to seek Jimmy out and tell him that he's wrong, you can tweet at him at Jimmy Kemsky. Uh, my final thought is that uh, turn 30 today. That's cool. And again, if you would like to make a donation and as, a, as if, you're, if you want to get anything oh, from me. We got breaking news. Uh-oh. Breaking news. The Eagles okay. have signed wide receiver Dion Kane to their practice squad. Former uh, Colts. Member of the Colts. Clemson I think they, wide receiver, too, I believe. And they released 
linebacker Christian Ellis from the practice wow. squad. How they we, worked out. This is how we do it, baby. Yeah, they did work out Deion Kane in uh, late September, so he's been on their radar. Um, there we go. They kind of needed an extra receiver uh, after cause they cut one last week. Oh, they cut Travis Holcomb, by the way. Didn't mention oh, that. Oh, by the way, they cut their... even on our radar on this. Because <laughs> he had just fallen to the yeah, point yeah, of yeah, irrelevance. Yeah. Look, you just have to learn the game, Jimmy. If you learn the game, you would understand that <laughs> Travis Holcomb looked bad and wasn't even worth talking about. So like uh, the anniversary of him getting uh, released... I don't know if it was the same day, but it was, it, it it was, was. Like the, it same, was the same, same day. As the, same as the day. Steelers game where he like bro- like he had a monster mm-hmm. game against Pittsburgh. So there you go. Um, my final thought before we wrap up here in our hashtag BGN Good Eats segment that we've been doing to wrap things up. Uh, good place to check out is in Yardley, Pennsylvania. Love a Yardley. Shout out to my uh, Bucks County listeners here. Okay, it's a place kind of newer, right in town in Yardley, Jimmy. Uh, called Eliahu's Yardley Pizza. That's E-L-I-Y-A-H-U, Yardley Pizza. Uh, I've had some pizza from there. It's pretty good. Bunch of different kind of styles. They do this one style that's called like a manzanera or something. It's like a deep fried dough, and then they like put sauce and cheese on top of that. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Uh, but they have a bunch of good things there. And I actually saw recently they're looking to hire. So if you're looking for a job and you have skills out there, like maybe apply and help support that local business and work there and have a great time. Uh, so, yeah, go check that out. I want them to definitely continue to stay open. So I hope you go and <laughs> right. selfishly plug so I can keep going there. Um, so that's my place. I guess you didn't have anything, Jimmy, but you'll, 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 you'll uh, hit up the I'll big. Be, I'll, be on, I'll be in charge of that for the next pod. Okay. You'll be hitting up we'll the biggest buffets. Or I think it's something. probably too much for both of us to name a food place. We'll take Maybe. turns. Maybe. Um, all right. Wrapping this up because it's gone too long already. It's early in the week. We'll be back again next week. Not the next week. This week. Later in the week with a preview of the Eagles Raiders game in addition to any news that comes out leading up to this week's game. I have been Brandon Lee Gowton from BleedingGreenNation.com at Brandon Gowton on Twitter. Jimmy Kemsky phillyvoice.com at jimmy kemsky bgn underscore radio is the place to find the show on twitter at bleeding green or bleeding green nations twitter account you can check out righteous felon craft jerky by going to righteousfelon.com using discount code bgn15 for 15 percent off snacks same discount code works at wildnaturepet.com for pet snacks you can check out kristen roach of roach realtors by going to roachrealtors.com or calling slash texting her at 856-906-9295. All right, so go do that, and we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping, and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Support for this podcast came from SAS. Data is everything. And now everything is data, which means more to process, more to analyze, 
And now more than ever, speed to answers matters. So how do you produce those answers as fast as the world produces data? With SAS VIA, the quickest way from a billion points of data to a point of view. It's a more productive data and AI platform that helps you get more done. Learn more today at sas.com slash VIYA.